Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. Welcome to this conversation with Kendra Kunov. Kendra is an incredible woman who brings her depth of practice in authentic relating and embodiment and so much more to our conversation as she so eloquently and elegantly shares her take on a range of things from what wholeness is to the importance of pleasure and how it's important to find pleasure for ourselves, her take on purpose, her take on power and authenticity and authentic relating. And she also shares her insights from her no man diet which is something she did for herself for a while and because of that led her to create a course around this which she's run for a while now and she shares insights from her own experience but also the experience of the many people that have gone through her program and she also brought me to tears when she talked about self-love in action and what that actually looks like and really hearing her speak feeling how she lives and breathes this in a way um that's pretty special. So I really hope you enjoy this as much as I did. So welcome to this episode and I'm delighted to be joined today by Kendra Kunov. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you here. So I would love to start with you sharing, rather than reading a bio out, you sharing about you and your work and who you are in this moment. <laughs> Gosh, that's such a great, um, I actually really appreciate that. I think hearing my own bio is often very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so what would I say? I, I have really... I think people can, you know, they can go to my website and read my bio and see like the list of, you know, things. And what feels most relevant is that I have really, um, it almost feels more like discovered rather than chosen. It's like discovering over time that what matters the most to me is really around wholeness. And uh, and what what does that actually mean for each individual? And, and so foundationally, of course, I would say like, we're born whole, we continue to be whole. I don't believe we're ever broken or not whole in some way, but all of the work that I do, whether it's in groups or individually is ultimately about, do we have access to our own, our own wholeness, both within ourselves? And do we have access to expressing and transmitting our wholeness as human beings? Mm, wholeness so with that what is it that you see that stops us accessing our wholeness it's mm, a great question um well what i 
Do, what I, I mean, certainly what I can experience in myself and then what I see in talking to and working with people is, I mean, there's, there's the things on the surface and I think they are relevant, which is the culture we're born into, our family of origin, you know, what, just the various stories that we're told. And then ultimately, I think it is ideas of who we think we are and who we think we're not. And so it can, it can sort of seem abstract, I think, but there's this way that, that I often think, you know, the way that I, like I'm unique and you're unique and every person is unique. So what that wholeness is, is unique. And at the same time, we're actually all, all of it. Mm-hmm. And so anything, and, and in the end, it's like, yes, I think all those things that we're taught and what our family or culture or teachers are like, wherever we receive this, that is part of what happens in our lives. But what I find is actually people are so much more limited by who they think they are and who they think they're not. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'm just not the kind of person who did that, did that, did that. And I think there is the realm of authenticity. Like, yeah, I just don't like, that's not really my jam. But I, what I find is that so many of us think we know already who we are and who we're not, and that actually there's real value in exploring a wider range so that we can find, you know, I, I think often that range is wider than we think it is. I totally agree. Phenomenally wider than we think it is. Yes. Absolutely. And so... How did you discover this this work? How did you get into this? I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Yeah, I mean, it has layers. Um, there, so I was born into a Zen Buddhist community in Northern California that is located in the middle of the Vantana wilderness. And um, and I went back as an adult. I left college. I often joke that I, I, I didn't finish college. I went to a monastery instead. Like that was my, <laughs> uh, and you know, in the United States, it's sort of typically four years. So instead I went and lived in a monastery for four years. Um, and, and so for me, like there was in some way, I would say this realm of, of seeking, right? What is it to be human? What is it to be spiritual? What is practice? Like what is connection? But I remember this moment, I was about 19 years old and, um, and there's so much, you know, I mean, it's Zen Buddhism. So it's like a very solo oriented practice, even though we're together. And, uh, but I was watching as everyone came to meditation. It's like 4.30 in the morning or something, it's sort of dark and everyone's sort of stumbling, grumbling, like, <laughs> but I also realized, you know, I'd been there, I was like, I could recognize people in the dark. I knew their habits. And I thought like how we know each other, but we weren't really talking about that. And I actually remember having this clear thought, like, what is this relational thing? that we're not really doing or we're doing here, but we're not doing explicitly. And that was a really big pull for how I ended up then leaving the monastery and, and my sort of initial dive into more relational um, intimacy-based communication, polarity work. 
And I think that ultimately led me to connect with my my ex-husband who I started Authentic World with and like, was this realm of what is authentic relating? You know, what is this realm of community? Um, and, and sort of so on and so forth. But I think, and then I think just allowing myself to discover like, oh yes, that, and then this, yeah. oh yes. And then, and then even more, you know, this, like how do, how do we keep expanding on our own understanding of, I mean, in some way, really just what it means to be human. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. And you talked about authentic relating there. So I'd love you to, to dive into this a little in terms of what that is. And, but also how it differs from what most of us know. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a great question because there's often this like, um, I mean, on one hand, like, can we ever not be authentic? Like we're always sort of doing ourselves. (laughs) And at the same time, it's sort of both. We're always, we're always being us. And it is actually true. We can be more of who we are. So there's, there's sort of both truths at the same time. Mm Um, and to speak to that question of like, what is authentic relating? I mean, I kind of want to name it in a couple different ways. And one is more like, uh, uh, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking at? Like, like, what is like this authentic relating thing that we did? And, and I would say, and again, that was like sort of a discovery. What is it when we come together and, and in that realm, um, I mean, we create a different processes and exercises that ultimately I think freed people the thing that I heard more often than anything else in that space was you gave us permission to dot 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 and I sure this one moment too I was like I was like I'm hearing this from not everybody but you know like across the board that's what people would say men women older people younger people you know, people with money, people without money, people, you know, just, it was like, it was like, well, you gave us, and they were almost, it was almost like an accusation. Like we'd say, well, what was the difference before and after? And they would be like, well, you gave us permission to do that or say that or be that. And I was like, as far as I can tell, we're all then just waiting for permission. And, and so ultimately, I mean, again, this is kind of like jumping forward for me, but became this inquiry of what is it actually to be the permission giver? Um, And if I want to be relating or communicating or having a certain kind of conversation or relational dynamic, what does it actually mean for me to go first and be willing to be the like afraid of being the weird one. Like it's not always, I don't wanna to say to be the weird one because it often turns out we're not actually as weird as we think we are, but to be willing to take the risk of being the weird one. Um, and so in a way, what I think we really did at that time was be the like be willing to be the weird ones and create a space where people came and were like, oh, like there's other weird people like me who wanna talk about their feelings, you know? <laughs> or what, you know, what it's like to be with each other. And um, there's one thing when you said that, that I thought of trying to remember now. I don't think this is quite it, but it's what I'm thinking is I still will often get the question from people like, well, what do I do when someone asks how I am? Because I'm supposed to just say I'm fine or, like, how do I avoid small talk? Like everybody just wants to have small talk and I want 
And it's the same as this permission giver is I often say to people like, well, just answer the question you wish they'd asked. Mm -hmm. Somebody says like, so how are you? You can say like, oh, well, I'm really feeling tender in my heart right now. Uh, and it's sort of like, oh, I wish someone had asked me, how's my heart feeling? But instead they said, yeah. how are you doing today? And I, and it is true, right? And in that moment, I've just opened, either that person doesn't want to meet me there and they're going to change the topic. And I go like, oh, okay. So that's where they are today. And, you know, am I willing to meet them where they're at? Or do I want to go have a different conversation? Or they're going to be like, oh, I guess we can talk like that here. Yeah. yeah, a beautiful example. And I love that the the permission giving because I certainly haven't had it in my family. And I know that's the truth for so many. So for somebody wanting to open up and explore authentic relating, whether that's in relationships or with friends, um, with partners, how might they what, what's something to, to to open up to that? How might they explore that? Yeah, I would say two things. I mean, one is, as far as I can tell, because I'm not as involved with the authentic relating community like these days, um, it certainly informs all of my work. But but I would say, first of all, as far as I can tell, it's all over the world. Mm. <laughs> so one is, you know, kind of go play with, a, you know, probably somewhere in the world, there's something close by. And it is wonderful to have something that's facilitated or to get ideas or to have an experience where you go like, oh, it can feel like that. So I think that is great, um, you know, or any community that feels like that, yeah. right? So you mentioned the collective earlier, which is a, a group that I hold for women, an ongoing community. And while I wouldn't, it's not, it's not specifically focused on authentic relating, that is actually what happens there. Yeah. Like the women there are very, they show up real in celebration and also in grief and also in sexuality and also in curiosity and also in playfulness. And, and so it's actually a space for people be who they are. So that said, I would say, you know, anywhere that you find that it feels that way to you is a great way to explore. Yeah. On the other side, right, in this realm of, oh, we can do this anywhere with anyone and we can be the permission givers, um, is I would say, two things. One is, um, is to take on a practice of not assuming that people don't like that you're to, that not assuming that people don't want to relate like that. Um, sometimes people are conscious of this assumption, but more often I find we just walk around assuming I'm the only one. Or for instance, like I'll, I'll hear women say, well, my friends only want to talk about, you know, men or dating, or they, they all just want to go out to a bar and talk about clothes. And they say that's what, because that is what's happening. But for all we know, like most of those women, if not all of them are also saying like, man, I really wish like we could talk about something else, but I guess they all just want to go out to the bar and talk about, you know, men. And so to not make that assumption and, and, and then connected to that. And some of this does take this, like, 
I don't know exactly how to describe this. It's not like we need to know exactly what we want, but some internal searching with ourselves and go like, well, how do I want to relate? And then find a way to bring that, right? So, you know, there's a WhatsApp thread. Everyone's going to go out to the bar on Friday and you're like, oh, I don't really want to do that. And you're like, man, I would, you know, what, what would it be like to respond rather than I can't make it or to be like, I would really love to see all of you, but I wonder if you would come to my house uh, for tea, you know, or, or to find, you know, maybe it's not the group setting, but there's three women in that group that you're like, I really would love to connect with them one-on-one, reach out and be like, Hey, I'd love to go for a walk, you know, or, and then to start to bring the kind of conversation or the kind of relating that you want to have. And rather than describing it, actually having it. You know, how are you feeling? What are you proud of? Um, it, something that's challenging in my life right now is da 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 da. Like, and, and be willing to even in, in smaller ways just bring that layer and allow people to meet us there. Yeah, thank you for some gorgeous uh, suggestions there. And you mentioned the collective. Tell me, um, uh, I'd love to hear sort of this community of women, what it is and what, um, what happened for you to, to want to create this beautiful community. I love that you asked that part because that was immediately <laughs> what I thought of. Um, it, you, my, my team actually had been encouraged me to start like a membership for some time. And I kept saying, no, no, no. I mean, it sounds like a lot of work. I, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and, um, and then I was sitting in this meadow on this land that I go to near Mount Shasta every year. And I had my journal, I had actually brought a group of women and they were all spread out around the meadow I lay down and then this, it was like a vision and I actually saw a spider web and I suddenly saw what this could be as a community, not like as another program or as like, um, you know, monthly membership model or this sort of, I saw the way, not only what the, like the, the web of connection in the collective, but I saw the way that actually we are already a web of connection mm -hmm. and that this would be a way to consciously tap into that and express it. Mm -hmm. And when I, and then I was like, oh, okay, I could do that. I can do. And it's been kind of wild because it, you know, trying to take something like that and then put it into a structure, right. And talk about it and invite people into like, well, what is that? <laughs> it, it really has, we're in our, third year now I think almost coming up on fourth year and it's really it's been an evolutionary process of like oh what really is it and what um and it really in a way I think about that the development of community is is the is culture right and a culture like even if we think about like sauerkraut right it's a, it, it grows it's like you put something together and you create the right conditions and it has a it has correct container and then it allows something beneficial mm -hmm. to grow. And that's really what, and so, so in a lot of ways, I, I feel like what I've been doing in there is, is paying attention to what is the correct structure. Um, you know, how much light or air does it need, but also how, well, how does it need to be contained 
so that something really beneficial can grow. And, um, and so, you know, I mean, structurally, I hold calls, we do various practices or inquiries or explore themes together. But I think really, so much of what happens is this developing of like a beneficial culture. Um, that is, you know, I often actually step back and look and I'm just sort of in awe because it's, 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 it's more than, it's certainly more than me. And I would say it's even more than, you know, each individual woman, it's sort of like coming together and, and allowing for something to be created. Um, that, that ends up then really, it really is a space where I, I see women be able to bring things forward that they don't have other spaces in their life um, or, or fewer spaces maybe, you know, and often it then becomes, and this is really important to me, it becomes then like a model of how they then can bring those things into other areas of their life. Yeah. What do you see growing with the women that you're working with in the collective? Uh, say more about what, what you mean by that question. Yeah, so you talked about the, the, so the beneficial can grow. <laughs> so what have you seen emerge in the lives of the women that you're working with? What shifted for mm. them? And yeah. Okay, cool. Because I, I sort of hear that in two ways. And one is, you know, like in terms of a culture that I see happening in the collective, is like the, the sort of... Um, the risking in the space that I see, right? Then there's, so there's something happening there, but then I do, you know, I mean, I see uh, it being a space that then allows, um, I mean, I'm thinking about women in terms of like where they've gone in their intimate relationships, that having the support of the collective, like what that sort of allowed for them in terms of exploration or risk or like how they're able to then hold themselves that creates the kind of really like intimate relationship mm -hmm. they want um, pieces that are also around like work in the world and business and experimentation kind of out in the world it's a funny example but there's a woman who recently um one of the things she's doing is going to florist school she's like totally shifted her orientation and then she and her partner just moved and she sort of got this vision of doing like these floral installations on the outside of their house, almost as like an offering. And, um, and, and in a way it felt like a risk to her. It's actually this sort of a piece of like, well, is that weird? Or, you know, what will the neighbors think? <laughs> um, and, and, in, and having the support of the collective or bringing it there and being able to listen to the, the nudge that came and then finding the ways that she can bring it forward. Like to me, I mean, she's in Australia, I'm in California, right? These, and I really, I, I'm like, oh, she's literally being the permission giver on her street all the way around the world. You know, like who knows what will come of, of, of people there sort of seeing what it is that the, this, this art that she creates. So it's like that. It's like these, these funny kind of ineffable examples, but I think they really matter. Yeah, absolutely. And it sort of circles back to what you mentioned at the beginning about the embodied wholeness of people express expressing this uniqueness into the world 
and the space for that and it feels like um yeah it feels we were talking about it yesterday in the little circle I was involved in and just how we can be so much more when we see each other and we believe in each other as women and we hold each other up and mm -hmm. and just the magic that happens just from that container becomes almost like a, a, a like a sort of a cauldron <laughs> of possibility that we don't have yes. on our own yes mm. I mean I really there's like biological pieces even to back this up in terms of beings with more estrogen and you know there's sort of these pieces but I just also see culturally you know I really do see it with women but I I just also think humans are pack animals and we're sort of at an interesting time when we're like more connected globally than perhaps we ever have been and we're also less connected to actually you know like what's our pack perhaps than, than we have been. I don't know, ever, it's sort of, <laughs> I've only been alive at this time in history, so uh, that I know of. Um, but, but finding our way in that. And so I think what, what you're speaking to is really so important. Mm, thank you. And it reminds me of something that I was reading about on one of your, I think one of your blogs, and it said something like, I truly believe that healing the world is through women embodying their pleasure, purpose, and stepping into their power, something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'd love you to, to speak more to that. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So actually, the so so there's a few layers I can say. Um, but I ultimately I created a program called Pleasure Purpose Power, and I run it in the collective. But it was that exact same uh, afternoon in the meadow that I saw the collective that also I wrote down these words, pleasure, purpose, power, you know, and I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's sort of emerging. So it was like this, this very potent um, moment. And it took me, two, I want to say two years to find what that, what the expression of that was. Um, and in some way, even longer, because what I've really discovered is that I wanted to bring it into the collective rather than, you know, teach it as its own, like all the cart pro. So, so it's so interesting, right? The, when we can just follow the, the call of these, like, what is this thing actually meant to be? Um, which is actually one of the pieces that I, that I teach about in the purpose module is that I think there's so much emphasis on like, I need to discover my purpose. But similar to this idea of our, our pack and then the culture that often, what is our purpose is actually, I think so, it's, it's called, uh, it's something be more than us calls for it from us mm -hmm. within a, like a beneficial culture. And, and that there's this real listening you know, like that something might come through and then we go, oh, what do you, you know, this, what do you want to be? What are, what do you want to be when you grow up? Little idea, you know, sprout that I just had. <laughs> and, and that there's actually a dynamic relationship within that where, you know, I don't have to do what this idea calls for, but it does require my listening rather than just like, you know, my telling 
myself or the world or the, you know, like this is who, this is, this is what I'm doing. Um, and that there's, the, that there's a weave there, right? There's actually a dynamic relationship. So to just try to like, you know, boil it down in sort of a nutshell piece, ultimately, I really believe the pleasure is, um, is about the present moment. So our freedom will always, right? Our liberation or our freedom will always come from the, what is actually so, right? The moment that we're actually existing in. And this is the only place that pleasure can exist. And when we actually tune in, you know, whether we want to follow the thread of pleasure or we want to follow the thread of the present moment to pleasure, ultimately, I think we find they're the same thing. And so it's that to me is in a that's like a foundational piece for if I want to call it liberation or freedom or wholeness, right? Our wholeness is found here in the present moment. Um, and then partly what I said around purpose. But I also, you know, part of that when it first started coming through is that I hear more teachings, um, both for men, right? The speaking of like men finding their purpose or it being a sort of a masculine drive. And that's like a whole other can of worms, right? Uh, women and the masculine and this. And I just in, certainly in watching other people, but I would say really tracking my own journey like just how important my own purpose has been and feeling my life as meaningful. And so certainly purpose in the sense of my actual work in the world or being able to financially support myself in the world or these, these pieces, but also this real exploration of like, what is it to live a meaningful life? And I've watched so many women sort of, um, wither uh you know not to say that it can't be revived but it just like wither actually in this place of making uh, other people their purpose like an intimate relationship or the children and again it's not to say that these aren't parts of our path but just to sort of see that so often and then feel how important uh, life like my life force is connected to purpose you know and be like actually there, there's something here beyond what we're mostly seeing in the culture around purpose and men and the masculine and like what it is to be a woman or feminine or so that's that's for me so that's pleasure and purpose and then um in a lot of ways i actually think power is like the natural outpouring that comes from pleasure and purpose and that it's a little bit like wholeness when we talked about before that there's this way that at some point we'll go like oh there is no, I need to step into my power or reclaim my power. Like it was actually already always so, but I, 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 it's well, maybe it's more remembering actually. And I don't know that I ever thought about it, that word rather than reclaiming, right? We say so often, I want to reclaim. And it's sort of like, oh, I just remember that it's actually already always here. Um, and something for me about the, um, being with the nuance of, of how power can be, can be expressed so many different ways, not just the sort of like dun, 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 dun <laughs> power that we often think is power. Yeah. 
Mm, wow, <laughs> so much there. And I, I really love what you shared about this, when this idea came to you, that it took two years. Mm. Because we see so much the pressure, get things done, get them out there. And I certainly felt that myself. And I just love that this idea gestated for a couple of years as you got to know it and listened to it. And, and I just think that's so um, uh, beautiful to, to, to hear that and to remember and to remind the, 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 the gift and the time of these things. And what can happen, just like a plant growing when we give it the right conditions and attention and environment, how it grows in a very different way than if we force it or don't treat it right. So it just really struck me when you said that. So thank you. Mm, thanks for, um, yeah, thank you for reflecting that back. And I, I just think, you know, what you're saying is is actually really important about the um, it can feel, it can really feel like a pressure to produce. Um, and we, I mean, we even see this in the news cycle, right? But I think it has a reflection in ourselves of like to be the first yeah. rather than to say it the way that it is meant to come through me, which might take time to percolate. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I, I think what you're pointing to, you know, I'm kind of just like pinging back to that in myself and what you're saying. And it's actually like a, a really radical act of trust. And that there's a real difference between sort of holding back on something out of fear, but also just being willing to allow, like to follow something or to listen or to give it. I mean, you talked about a cauldron before, right? And like, how long does something need to stew? <laughs> Um, it would be fine if we ate it in 10 minutes or something, but it would be better if you know, <laughs> we ate it tomorrow. Um, and, and yeah, well, like what a radical act of trust that is. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I love what you shared about pleasure. There is only pleasure in this moment. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. I, and I know that on one level, but just the way you said it, something sort of really went and landed with me around that and I and I, I think it was you said somewhere about how we're so confused about it wasn't the right word but the sort of conflating of pleasure and sex mm -hmm. I'd love you to speak about about what you mean by that because I think that's such an important message and mm -hmm. mm. yeah it, it, it's it's I mean, it's an interesting dichotomy, I think, culturally, which is sort of this um, shaming of sex and pleasure, but and, and sort of and then but then relegating like pleasure to sex. Uh, and I think especially for women, one of the things that this does, and and not to say certainly that there isn't, um, I mean, this is very heteronormative but the culture is heteronormative. So I think even for people that I know that are in non-heterosexual or queer, sexual relating or intimate relating, like this can still seep in because the culture is so heteronormative, is that there's something about when we like force pleasure into only the realm of sex, that it, it becomes attached to men. And our pleasure is, is like with a man or for a man, and again, if we kind of go out of the heteronormative, but it still becomes like, well, it's, it only, it happens with another person 
or in this way. And um, first of all, it's just like too much pressure to put on on something. It's like put all of that in this like one place or on this person, right? I mean, again, to kind of put it in heteronormative language, but that's a lot of the women I work with, right? That there's almost this starving of pleasure and then this like search for a man. And then there's like this pressure on then that the one so that they can feel good. Um, and, and there's just so many layers, like that's like way too much pressure to put on one person or on an area of your life or on a, this. And then, and then also that there is this expansiveness that I think comes when we, when we drop into the really subtle, the subtle forms of pleasure that are available in every moment. And it sort of becomes like, oh, this is where um, I mean, it gets so tricky because I think, I think phrases like follow your bliss have both value and can be misleading, but it, I think it's where this is actually true, you know, is when we tap into the pleasure that's available in any moment, then suddenly it's like, oh, life is like pretty great all the time. And it's not because everything is going my way or I've achieved some something in my, like some state or I, because I have all the things I want or enough money or just like the, it's not because of those things. It's actually, it, it's, it's, um, it's so much subtler than that, but it just sort of becomes like, oh, actually like life is pretty great. <laughs> so that's kind of a tangent, but you were talking about pleasure mm. and sex. And then again, this piece where I think it's such a radical piece of freedom for women to be able, not as a rejection of men or the masculine or, or, or even, you know, a partner or the other or something, but it actually becomes this freedom of like, oh, right, because, because pleasure exists in me and I feel pleasure and, it, and it's not attached or relegated to another person. Absolutely. I love those moments when I work with people where they just discover I had a client on Monday night and that was she just came back and she's just like, oh, my body feels so good and I can do it for me. And she just had all these beliefs that she pleasure was about the other person for all sorts of different reasons. But she said literally she skipped through the 24 hours of just radiating in a way she'd just never done before. Mm-hmm. And just the joy of that. And, and it's so um so deep in our our cultures that we put this onto the other person and you mentioned um because I know you do something which is just such a brilliant title the no man diet Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I'd love you to also talk a little bit about why uh what I know it's a course that you offer Mm -hmm. but why the no man diet why and is it no man no partner tell me more Mm yeah I mean first of all why is because I did my own no man diet. And, um, and it doesn't always quite go this way, but I I do always like to say like, Hey, I don't ask people to do things that I don't also do. (laughs) (laughs) And so it really came from me doing that process myself, which for myself was six months. Mm -hmm. The program I run is 12 weeks. And it's interesting because so many women, I mean, they're really like many women are very hesitant for even 12 weeks. And then regularly, somewhere about halfway through, 
most of the women are like, oh, this should be six months. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> but you would not have signed up if it had been six months long. Um, so it's, it's both, I mean, the other thing that I would say becomes so clear in the process is that it's really not about men. It's just the container. And, but, but that there is in our, in our lives, there really are these times that chosen, um, I could say chosen limitation on purpose for a purpose for a period of time can be very freeing. Um, we often don't know, similar to what we talked about with wholeness, right? We don't actually know how wide our range is. Often we actually don't know where the threads of compulsion are. Until we just say like, well, let's just not for, for a period of time, partly as an experiment and for a particular purpose, right? So it's not punishment. It's not like I deprive myself of this because I'm bad and, you know, I need to be cleansed of it. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to remove this thing where I find some tension or so, you know, what, however it becomes named, right? There's like, like a little tangle there. I'm just going to remove it. And this, and, and, and we spend actually in the no man diet, we spend a whole period of time for each woman creating her own container. So it's not that women come in and I'm like, okay, and now we, it's going to be like, da, 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 da. And I just tell them what to do. I have some very strong guidelines or suggestions, if you will. Um, but, but for each woman really choosing, you know, if we think of the container, like a, like a fence around our little baby garden, and, uh, and we say, oh, this is what's outside. This is what we say is not happening right now inside here. And this is what is happening. And this is the clarity I have around it for this purpose for a period of time. And, and then it really does become, I mean, it, it's, it's so tricky because I think this, this phrase is often so cliche, but I have so many women who are like, oh, like I actually understand what self-love is now, or I understand like what this actually means as a lived experience, rather than like some idea that I'm, I can also shame myself for not doing well enough along with everything else in my life that I'm not doing well enough, not loving myself well enough. <laughs> um, and that there does then also become a lot of freedom in areas where, where women may not even quite have known where certain entanglements or compulsions were. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely is like a no partner or a no dating or a no sex, you know? And so I've had women who don't identify as heterosexual go through and, and work the same process. And when you did it, what were some of the, what some of the key insights that you got from that process for mm -hmm. yourself? So when I, chose my no man diet it was it was it was in this place of like just tension around some what what was happening in my relationships and like loverships at the time and it was sort of um again a choice of like I don't quite know what's happening here but there's something some tangle here and so I'm gonna set this for myself and and work inside of it and And it allowed me, I mean, even more than I can point to very clear insights, but that kind of time in that space with myself 
allowed me to really um, see threads of my relating with men and with the masculine, both in men and, but like within myself or within the world, like these threads of really, it just allowed me to see them more clearly and places where I had habitual ways mm -hmm. of relating. Um, and it's almost like be able to kind of hold them up a little bit with a little more clarity and also with a little more objectivity, right? Like not right or wrong or good or bad, or just like, oh, this is this habit. What would I like to do with it? Um, I think that was one of like the very big things. And then ultimately really to touch in on, this is again, one of those things that sometimes I think women can sense this uh, but more often it's like it becomes cl more clear in the process is like, oh, I really was putting a lot of my self-worth on whether, kind of whether I'm in partnership or like whether I'm chosen or whether I'm attractive to the people I want to be attractive to, whether they want me. I mean, one of the things that happens a lot when I work with people is this sense of uh, like, oh, there'll be women who are really like in kind of distress about somebody not choosing them. And often there'll be this moment, I'll be like, but you didn't actually want them. And they're like, yes, but I want them to want me, <laughs> you know? And that's such like an interesting hook for women. Um, even when it's like, I, I didn't want that man, or I didn't want that relationship, right? Our life, that wasn't really the thing, but I, I my value or is tied up in whether they want me. And, and again, for myself or women who go through the program, I don't want to say like that never arises again, you know, and we're just like living in some sort of enlightened state forever. But the, the real hook of it and the, like the place where it really takes um, like grab, you know, is able to grab, I find really released. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, I laugh there because I recognize it in myself of mm. these places and um and is that the shift you talked about women sort of say they they really experience love for themselves in a whole different way? Is that the shift of finding their worth within or what, what happens? What do you notice? I think that is part of yeah. it. Um, there's also this quote. I think the I think the person's name is uh, Rudy Francisco. I'm pretty sure that's his name. And, and the quote is. Perhaps we should love ourselves so fiercely that if anybody saw us, they would know exactly how it should be done. Mm. And I mean, we actually, there's a whole module in the No Man Diet focused on just that quote. But I also think of it in a way as like this overarching um, piece that runs through, which is, which is taking it on in a much more tangible way and, 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 and an actionable. If somebody could hear the way that I was talking to myself, would I be showing them how I should be loved? If somebody watched me touch my own body, would they be learning how I should be touched? If somebody were to like be in contact with how I offer breath to myself as a gift, would, would I be showing them like how, like how I should be in relation, you know, like, would I be relating to myself in a way that would be showing somebody how to be in breath with me or, um, and, and I just find that's like, 
this is like this never ending spectrum. We can touch in, you know, if, if somebody watched how I feed myself, would they be learning how to love me through feeding me? If somebody watched actually like in terms of self-pleasure, would they be learning how to, you know, how to pleasure me or would it be more like a, like, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> um, and that that's also this place of, of really learning that. Yeah. Wow, that's been, I've got tears and welling up in my eyes hearing you describe that. Let's take a moment with that because, yeah, so much richness. Yeah. Mm, just in hearing that. And, and so, yeah. And one of the things I wanted to ask you around is uh, on your Instagram, you, you say about devotion to life. And devotion is one of my favorite words. <laughs> and so I would love to hear what, what prompted you to, what, what that means to you, actually. Yeah. I really love that question or that inquiry. I love that inquiry. In a way, what I, it's, it's like, I see or sense or almost I feel that in you when you allow yourself to be so touched by you know a, a, that peace around loving ourselves right that's like oh right this I can feel life there and and that willingness to like pause or be touched by something and somebody asked me remember the exact question but it was similar to your question at the beginning around how do we not be whole or how are we not in our wholeness right and it was something like that and I remember my answer I was sort of like gosh there's so many things I could say and maybe at the root of it is is not wanting to feel something mm -hmm. right feel something and I think that's so connected to life that actually if, we're, if we want to be in connection with life, it, it will require that we feel. And not only, it doesn't mean it'll, it's like, yes, it will require that we feel some of the things that are painful or challenging and we'll probably, you know, be in more grief, especially in the world as it is, you know, or um, angry about certain things we'll probably also feel more joy and delight um, and all of that is 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 vulnerable I, I mean I'm, I imagine you find this with people as well but like like that client you're talking about I mean I'm, I'm sure it felt great how she felt but it, it also took something for her there's a reason that most of us don't walk around like sort of feeling the pleasure of life all the time. <laughs> um, and so I really think there's like a, like a certain courage just to be willing to feel what's there. Um, and I guess the, the two little pieces that I, that I that feel important to name. One of it, I, mean, I just want to own, like was partly a reaction to seeing somebody that say that they were in service to the feminine. 
And I just had this, I was like, okay, I'm not in service to the feminine or the masculine or like anything. It's just like, because all of it is needed for life. And I support what supports life. And so it actually came almost as this like fierce defiance of that, of seeing that specificity. Um, but it feels important for me to name that to me that this is the life, death, life, death, life, death, life cycle. So it's certainly not not a devotion to the to the death part of life cycle. Mm. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and I'm conscious of time and this is the sexy life podcast. So I would love to finish with asking you what living a sexy life means to you. Mm. Okay, that's a great question. Um, well, you know, what's so great is so many things that we've touched on. I'm like, oh, that, oh, and that. <laughs> um, so for me, it, this, this realm of playing with my own range is part of that. Mm. Um, and this is where I want to say it's, it's so unique right we're unique like so for me often like I don't I, I rarely wear makeup and it's a little I get awkward you know I'm just sort of but to play with like lipstick it, it's not because lipstick is sexy or it's sexy to someone else it's about my my range and so playing with that or um playing with uh, sometimes I, I have these you know like my well actually it's so great I have one right here so I have a nine-year-old daughter this is like this headdress I'm sure that I can show you. It has these feathers on it. We also have some flower ones or, and so in the realm of just like adornment and range, like to me, that's, that's living a sexy life. Um, but for me also living a sexy life is like touching the dirt on a regular basis. Like I find like dirt very sexy. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> um, and and then, and this is the thing, it's this whole spectrum, right? We've, we've talked a lot about these places, like in finding that in ourselves, which I do think is so important so that we're not outsourcing or abdicating. But also one of my practices is to love my partner every day. And, um, and mostly I find it's like, actually, if I just put my attention, it's not that hard, but it's, it's, a con it's like I find some conscious way to love him. But I like to say, because I just think it's important to be real about these things, you know, so it's like that's been one of my daily practices for years. Um, but there, there's this one day, I mean, I've forgotten, I don't want to say it like I've never forgotten or something like that, but there was this one day, man, I had no love in my heart. For that man, <laughs> And I knew that I could do the thing. I could like cook some food for him or so I could like do but I was like, I'd be like, mm, like shoving the food. <laughs> like I had no love in my heart. And so I just let it be like, yeah, actually, I don't love him today. And like tomorrow I'll take a breath and I'll pick it up and I'll see like where I can find love in my heart. But to bring my gaze and like, I just, I find him incredibly sexy. Right. But that's living a sexy life for me. Thank you. There's so much in that so much. And the one thing that I, the the uh, the word play, mm. <laughs> I really just a word we we yeah a word to be discovered often again as adults. So thank you so much for just bringing all your joy and your wisdom and your devotion and 
where can people find you online? I'll put everything in the show notes, but is there any sort of specific places you want to guide people to? I would, um, I mean, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having, it's really a delight. And I've, I just have so enjoyed the depth of your inquiry and where I, where I get to go inside myself from somebody bringing themselves in the way that you did. Um, and I mostly, I just like to say people can find me at kendrakunov.com. And, um, you know, certainly you can see what the offerings are there, but there's a bunch of resources and like free classes if something calls to you, but there's also a lot of blogs and, and many of the blogs have videos because I like to talk a lot, <laughs> I'm a real talker. And so that's the place where people can go and just sort of go like, what, you know, does it, does this actually resonate or is there some topic that is interesting and, um, and to just kind of follow your own curiosity to go with the play piece. Beautiful. Well, I'll share everything with everyone. So thank you again so, so much. It's been a real delight. And yeah, wishing you a beautiful day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast with me, Sarah Rose Bright. I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy, and I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sarahrosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.